We'll bring in our experts, Jim LeCamp, Senior Vice President of Investments at Morgan Stanley, and David Kotak, Chairman and Chief Investment Officer at Cumberland Advisors. Uh, David Kotak, um, a relief rally, or is it the beginning of something wonderful? <laughs> what, what do you think? Well, Larry, good morning. I, I, you, when you opened the show, you included the solar system. Yes. And that's the first time I heard you reach that far. Oh, yeah. We nice have a treme- tremendous reach throughout the solar system. <laughs> so the, <laughs> and you can do it all solar- on the Internet. Well, there you go. So the solar system is asking the very same question. Uh, I'm not convinced that we made a bottom. Uh, I heard, pal, all the things you said when you opened the show. I'm not convinced. We have to see. We are in extreme uncertain times, shooting war worldwide, financial sanction payments war, unknown geopolitical outcomes, lockdown in China in the second largest economy in the world, commodity prices have rolled over, housing is rolling over. Where this takes us now, we don't know. So my answer is inflationary recession or disinflationary recession. Recession, yes, it's already here. Two successive quarters of GDP, the old definition when you and I studied these things, is in the it, – it's already etched. Look at Atlanta GDP now and last quarter. We don't define recessions that way anymore, but they feel like they used to the old way. So I'm not sure. The safest and best honest answer is I don't know. <laughs> All right. Jim LeCamp, you always know. So was this a was this a relief rally or or the start of something really wonderful? I'm laughing because I don't see anything that's really wonderful out there. I think Kotak laid it out pretty well. Um what do you think, Jim LeCamp? I think it's highly unlikely that we've set a bottom in uh, because uh, the 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 Cerberus we're, we're getting very Greek here. We've got a Cerberus of problems. We've got the Fed uh, battling uh, inflation, probably the wrong way. Uh, we've, so we've got the Fed. We've got inflation. But uh, the the thing that nobody's really talking about that I think is going to be as big or bigger of a problem on this. Cerberus, and it's 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 more like a hedra because when you cut one head off, uh, some other problem emerges. It just never stops, and and I think investors could end up more like Sisyphus than anything else. But uh, I think valuations are a real problem here, Larry, uh, because you've got input prices that that are way up for these companies. You've got margin pressures, uh, and 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 they're catching it from both sides. So look at what Target says this week. They they're over inventoried, so they're going to have to slash prices. Now, bear in mind, they had to pay up to get that inventory to begin with. So I think we're going to see profit margins being really crunched. And a wise man once told me that uh, corporate profits are the mother's uh, milk of stock market profits. I I, I forget who that was. But um, I, I think we've got real issues now. We're bouncing from a really uh, from standard deviation work, we were at a tremendously oversold spot 
um, about a week ago. And so the bounce was due to happen. And it could go a little farther, not much, maybe 4,000 or so. You're going to have some resistance up there around 4,000. Uh, safest guess is that July's okay. Historically, July's a pretty good month, and we're still coming from an oversold spot. And then August, September, we have a, at least a retest before we can start thinking about a bottom. David Kotak, uh, let's talk about the Fed. Uh, Jay Powell testified before the Senate and House Financial Committees. And the way I read it is, gee whiz, I wish we didn't have to, but we're going to tighten it up so we're going into recession. Now, you're arguing that we're already in the recession. All right, fair enough. I think that's a, you know, a strong case. But um, what surprised me was after he went through that in his Volcker routine, he's grown hair on his chest, all right? It's nothing but slaying inflation. The stock market kept rallying. I was surprised at that. Well, but maybe market agents are saying going, taking the rate up faster, harder, and getting to whatever the neutral rate is, and I don't like the way they toss around the word the neutral rate, but never define it. And sooner, quicker is desirable so we get the pain over with faster. Mm -hmm. That would be an interpretation you know, Larry, I remember and you remember, in fact, you and I met and we both remember the Volcker time. And Volcker was determined to crush inflation at all costs. I'm not convinced that determination is in this Fed when the rubber hits the road and when the labor force contraction occurs. And if there is any contagion effects, and we haven't seen any of those, you know, Jim just mentioned valuations. I think we are into areas of selection of sectors and businesses and exclusion of others. For example, in our shop, we have had a cash reserve the entire quarter we are underweight the banks and financials. We see risk profile rising there. They don't get the benefits of a zero interest rate funding on their deposits anymore. So I think selectivity of companies and sectors is very critical here. Jim McCamp, if I heard him correctly, David Kotak is questioning the values of the Fed. Did you hear that? I mean, he's sort of saying, it sounds like uh, all these radical climate change, woke social policy members of the Federal Reserve Board might not be tough on inflation. Before we take a commercial break, you got a minute. You think that's almost heresy from Mr. Kotak. Not only do they have weak knees, they have no knees. <laughs> they have no backbone. They have no spine. And I, I can tell you when we, they see used car prices down 6%, lumber prices down about 50%, 
they're in their back room cheering because they can uh, at some point, and they're looking at the inflation expectations and what the long bonds are saying. And at some point, they're they're going they're they're saying goody goody, we don't have to be as tough as we said we were going to be. I guarantee that's happening back there. And the difference between to David's point between now and Volcker is there Volcker wasn't trying to unwind a nine trillion dollar balance sheet. We don't even know how to unwind a $2 trillion balance sheet, much less nine. They have painted themselves into a corner that they just cannot get out of. And the only thing they know is more booze in the punch bowl, and eventually it'll come sooner than people think. Wow. You guys are highly caffeinated today. I love this. <laughs> Terrific stuff. Let's just spend a moment on the commodities. Commodity price rule is a pretty good inflation indicator. So... I don't know whether there's a change in the trend or not, but in the last few weeks, the CRB futures, which I love, that has energy in it, it has gold in it, it has industrials, metals, agriculture, foodstuffs, and so forth. So that's down, uh, let's see, it's down 5% in the last month, but it is up 42% over the past year. The uh, Goldman Sachs Commodity Index is down 2.5% in the last month, but it's up 52% in the past year. Um, fellas, are commodities, and I, I want to add to that, the uh, CPI break-evens in the Treasury market, their rates have fallen. I mean, it's, it's still pretty high. That, let's see, the two-year break-even is 374. It's an inflation measure. The five-year is 284. So they're down, but they're still you know, historically quite high. Um, Jim LeCamp, what's your commodity read on this? What are commodities? Uh, they're a little soft, but is there a change in trend or not? Well, this is the goofy thing. The Fed says um, that they want to fight headline inflation, which includes energy, of course, but that they don't really have any control over energy prices. So what, are they, what exactly are they trying to do here? I think um, you're, you're seeing prices come down. Yeah, you've got some deflation kicking in. I mentioned the target thing. You've got, um, as you mentioned, commodity prices overall are down. Lumber prices down. Used car prices are down. Um, uh, home prices are down even. Uh, but with energy, it's a different animal because the energy companies are not hitting CapEx like they used to. They used to hit high prices with as much CapEx as you could possibly imagine, too much, They'd kill you with supply, and then prices would come way down. A, they've learned not to do that. B, ESG uh, pressures have um, have weighed against them on doing that. And C, they can't get labor out in the oil patch. So to me, we can talk about inflation all we want, but where it really hits consumers is energy, and we've got the wrong energy policy, and it's going to be a thorn not only in our side, but over all of our body uh, until until we have more coherent policy, as you mentioned. Look, we all want clean air, right? We all want clean air and clean water. But you can't snap a finger and make it happen. You can't kill um, an industry like this that's, that's so vital to everybody's needs, not only here in the U.S., but globally. So I, I, I think that's going to be uh, a continued, pro, continual and continued problem. And I don't know how the inflation numbers, especially the head, headline, and that's what the Fed's talking about, 
can really come down unless they do something on the fiscal side with energy policy. You know, David Kotak, I would argue we have clean air and clean water, but the only place that we don't have clean air and clean water is in the White House, which is suffering from major <laughs> pollution. Well, I, I don't I don't visit the White House uh, frequently these days. You can get reports, so, so, though. But, the but, reports Larry, coming I, I, out. Yeah, well, yeah, okay. But I want to take the other side. In this case, I disagree with Jim. And let me tell you why. We are seeing a change in geopolitical elements forced on the Biden administration. Example, there is an outreach for discussion with Venezuela. Sanctions were lifted to allow Maduro to ship crude to Europe. Now, that wouldn't have happened without a geopolitical change. So if I were the czar, would we have more open supply coming from the United States in oil and gas because the world is going to get it, may as well get it from us instead of the Russians? Yes, I'm not the czar, but I am seeing forces forcing policy. And let me defend the Fed for a minute here, too. I think the Fed is looking at the PCE, not the headline number. The Federal Reserve can't drill for oil. They don't know how to run a refinery. They don't drive tractors. They don't know how to run a farm. So the headline discussion, which makes the headlines all the time, is not the focus of this Federal Reserve because they know they can't be farmers and they know they can't drill for oil. So they've got to look at the composition of PCE and they've got to look at the rest of it, not the headline. Let me give you an example. 18% of the U.S. economy is in the healthcare sector. The healthcare sector is actually had a little contraction and the inflation rate in the healthcare sector is two and a half percent. We never talk about that. We talk about the 8%. We talk about the gasoline prices. The gasoline in the United States is big, and it's a headline we see every day because we drive past a gas station and see the price. But 18% of the GDP of the United States is the health care for Larry Kudlow or for Jim or for me or for 330 other million people. So there's but two David, sides to but this. David, the the Fed themselves said that they were worried about the headline number, and 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 they admitted that they were swayed by the consumer uh, surveys about headline inflation. So while I agree with you, the Fed themselves have said that they were fighting headline inflation. Well, but look at fellas, the core PCE deflator, which is really their ultimate target, is six percent. So that's a big number. And they have work to do. I mean, look, the, you're no right. The question, Fed doesn't. Larry, they have work to do. No, they got question. work to do. I mean, they're going to yep. do. They got it to get to get, to try to get uh, back in the game. They're going to have to do 75 in and the next month, and they're going to have to do 75 in September. I mean, otherwise, real interest rates are way too low. They're just way too low. You can't have a whatever it is one and three quarter percent target rate and a 6% PCE core deflator. You just can't have that and, and expect inflation to come down. So the problem is, let's go back to the stock market, Jim LeCamp. Knowing the Fed is going to tighten a lot more, all right, they're going to raise their target rate and they're going to cut back on their bond portfolio. 
What is the outlook for stocks? Uh, not good. I mean, when has the Fed raised into this flat of a yield curve before, this aggressively? Uh, and, and and corporate profits are all – you can't really argue that stocks are cheap right now from a historical standpoint. They're cheaper than they were two years ago, and they're cheaper than they, they were six months ago. But they're not cheap from a historical standpoint. Now you've already had one quarter, as David mentioned, one quarter of negative GDP. This quarter is either going to be flat or slightly negative, slightly positive. It's going to be real flattish. So you could argue that you're already in a recession, and, and the Fed is aggressively hiking into a recession. It won't be good for stocks. That's why I think we've uh, got um, a, a resetting of our valuations and, and a retest of the lows in store for us. I'll, uh, we may have a week or two of rally. But that should be used as an excuse to sell names you don't want anymore. And I agree with David as well that you have to be more selective in which kinds of stocks you own. Dave Kotak, uh, Ed Yardeni is writing this morning, uh, the S&P 500 forward P.E. is now 16.3. All right, so that's not wildly optimistic, but it's not wildly pessimistic either. I want to see the earnings reports in July and August. Mm -hmm. It'll be the first time we're going to be able to see them company by company, sector by sector, and take them apart. It's the first time in the financials we're going to see whether the reserves and loan loss reserves that we saw with Wells Fargo and J.P. Morgan Chase last quarter are expanded or repeated. What do we see for the mid-sized banks? This is a tell. We're going to learn something in the next eight weeks mm -hmm. from these earnings reports. We're going to learn them about sectors and companies. Now, there's certain sectors like defense aerospace. I'm overweight. I mm -hmm. took the weight up in the sell-off. You look at the world, Larry, we're going to have a record defense budget for right. good reason. Right. So there are places to be. Right. Okay, well, that's not so bad. Um, Jim LeCamp, 30 seconds. Interest rates, market rates, 10-year, what do you think, real quick? Uh, I think uh, long rates stay about where they are. Obviously, short rates will have to come up because the Fed will hike, and that All will right. invert the curve by September. Jim LeCamp, Morgan Stanley, Dave Kotak, Cumberland Advisors. I'd say it's a pretty cautious outlook from our two gents. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.